Fashion and beauty are serious business. On this podcast, we will hear from amazing creative entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore their unique success stories, learn from experts, and hear about their journeys. Steve Jobs famously said that, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So let's get crazy. I'm your host, Ann Zuckerman, and this is the Just Wanted to Ask podcast. Ladies, have you ever had one of those uncomfortable headlight moments? Don't you want to be heard without distraction? Bezzy broad discs are your solution. Go to justwantedtoask.com and look for Bezzy broad discs. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to welcome Wendy Bergen. Um, she is a friend of mine and also a fellow podcast host. So this is very exciting for me. Wendy is a regular mom with a husband, a bunch of kids who she homeschools, some dogs, also some chickens, uh, the founder of Joyfully Prepared and the host of the Joyfully Prepared podcast. Wendy is dedicated to teaching busy moms skills like gardening, food preservation, natural remedies, and more, so they can take care of themselves and their families through developing talents with confidence while saving money. She's rolled down the mountain of progress so many times that she's skinned knees, brass in her teeth, and sticks in her hair. All of these mistakes have actually allowed her to become more confident in her knowledge and skills, whether it's canning, gardening, emergency preparedness, or anything else. Wendy teaches others to feel confident in learning it. Welcome, Wendy, to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Anne. I'm excited that we finally got together and, and made this happen. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> so. Um, one of the one of the things that you speak about a lot is container gardening. And we're moving into the spring. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you give people and how do you help people understand container gardening? Because I know you have a program. I do. Thank you for, for bringing that up. Um, so container gardening is for the beginner, period. And it's for the expert as well. But rather than worry about a big plot of land, I've got to till it up, I've got to do all this stuff. Container gardening really becomes the simple way to learn how to grow your own food so that you can be as self-reliant as possible. When I moved down to Florida about a year and a half ago, um, we moved onto a five-acre piece of property, but there's no, there were no systems in place. There was no garden. There was nothing. When I left New Jersey, I had a beautiful raised garden. It was all functioning beautifully. And then I moved to Florida, nothing. And so I had to start with containers. That was the only option I had because we just, we just moved here and everything's crazy. And I don't know how to garden in Florida. And I began to just put some pots outside. And here's the thing. You don't even have to have an outside. You can just grow indoors. There's no 
need to get all worried about, oh, I need to find this. No, no. If you have a window, hopefully everybody has a window and sunshine comes through that window. All you need is a little pot, a little bit of soil and your plant. And I always recommend starting with herbs first. If there's one herb you like, whether it's lavender, rosemary, I could sing the song, sage, thyme, all the things, you know what I mean? <laughs> I could just <laughs> burst into song right now. <laughs> Basil, whatever you want. You can grow that in your windowsill in your house. So you don't even have to have an outdoors. And, and, I, and I like growing herbs because the other great thing about growing herbs Herbs are the most expensive thing you'll buy at the grocery store. To buy like a little few sprigs of cilantro or basil, it's costing you like four bucks or something, four or five dollars. And they're just going to die. I mean, they're dead because they're just sprigs that have been cut off the plant. So instead of doing that, spend your four dollars or less on a basil plant, a rosemary plant. Put it in a little pot and put it in your windowsill. And then you can just pull a sprig off or whatever you need. And it's right there at your fingertips. So that's, that's my recommendation. Yeah, I was thinking that when you were saying that um, cilantro, I would love to add cilantro to stuff. And uh, occasionally I have plants on my windowsill mm -hmm. uh, that I pull from. It makes it so much easier. So much easier. And it's healthier because it's yours. And you, it's, it's the same. Gardening is the same as canning, as the same as dehydrating, freezing. Whatever you uh, bring into your home or you do yourself, you know what's going into that. So the same thing with your plants. You don't have to worry about pesticides. You can be more natural in the way you take care of your plants. And therefore, they're even healthier than the healthiest food at the farmer's market or at the grocery store, because you're taking care of it. You're watching for the pests or any kind of disease for it, and you're treating it with natural remedies. And the plants themselves are often natural remedies, right, for each other. So being able to take care of them and you don't have to spray them with things, they're going to be healthier for you in the long run. For sure. Um one of the things that fascinated me uh, about what you do is some of your history, because you came to this naturally through your family. Mm -hmm. Tell our listeners more about how you came into uh, understanding gardening and canning and some of the uh, some of the tools that you use to teach uh, the preparedness tools that you use to teach others. Um, because so much of that has been lost over the years. Thank you so much. I love my family. So I'm, I'm grateful that you give me a chance to talk about how wonderful they are. They're not perfect, but they're wonderful. I did come into um, this world with a couple generations of people who lived a self-reliant lifestyle. And they put it to the test and it passed down through generation to generation to me. And so it kind of starts on both sides my, of my parents. They were very self-reliant. But in particular, 
on my dad's side, my my dad's parents, back in the 1930s, late 1930s, um, my grandparents got married, um, and uh, about 1938, they got instruction from the leaders of, of their church that they needed to put up two-year supply of food, supplies, anything to keep them alive um, in business, different things like that. And so they decided to go ahead and, and do that. And my grandpa records, very little bit is recorded in his journal about this. And this is the story. This is what I've kind of created for myself, this, you know, embellished, I guess, a little bit. But he said that um, he was a landscaper. Back then, they called him a nurseryman, right? He took down trees and, and provided lawn service and things like that. And he said he put up two-year supply of tires and chains and any kind of equipment he needed in order to survive for two years. And I don't think he went out one day and just ran to Lowe's because there was no Lowe's, but I don't think he ran out, ran out and just bought it all at one time. I think it was a gradual process, which all preparedness really is. It's always a gradual process. You can't just, you can go out and buy it if you have the money. And that's great. If you don't, then you work it through. You just constantly are adding to and, and learning. And so he did that. And then my grandmother and her mother-in-law, so grandpa's mom, they, over the course of, I don't know how many years, but they put up 1,800 jars of food. And this was before air conditioning. I don't know what kind of stove they used. And they bottled all this food that they probably grew themselves, actually, because they had a nice big garden. So then when the United States entered World War II and all that, everybody, you know, the men went to war, the women ended up in the factories and all our resources went to providing um, the food and everything went to, pro to sustaining the men, you know, overseas. Well, my grandparents and everybody, a lot of people know from, you know, U.S. history that the United States issued ration stamps so you could stand in line and get your cheese and your bread and whatever so that you could survive with your family for that week or that day. I don't, don't know how they work. But because of the efforts of my grandparents, they never used one ration stamp when this happened because they were prepared and my grandpa stayed in business where all the others did not. So that's, that's my history. That is so amazing. And you've carried it into your life too, because uh, you have a fairly large family. And so you've also carried that tradition into your family with um, the skills for canning, uh, which I think is probably a lost art these days. Uh, now, you before we got on this call, you spoke mm -hmm. about the garden that you're in the process of creating, mm -hmm. but you also have goals with that garden. You know uh, the types of plants that you want to grow and how you're going to use them. Tell us how you made that decision and some of the plants that you're growing. Uh, the other part of that is that you've had to learn the benefits of some local plants that you didn't know of when you were living in New Jersey. So tell us about that transition. Okay, thank you. 
Um, yeah, New Jersey is mid-Atlantic, and I grew up in Virginia, New Jersey, so I was very used to gardening the mid-Atlantic way, where you have the winters off. And in Florida, you don't have any time off. You're just growing year-round, right? And that's a big difference than having those that winter time. So I thankfully met a man who is a permaculture specialist. And let me just explain what permaculture is for a second, because I didn't know what it was when I first heard. But what permaculture is, is um, an ecosystem. So you plant plants intentionally so that they support one another. They support each other under the ground where they're providing different um, minerals, vitamins, um, um, uh, like nitrogen, different things like that down in the, down in the ground. Some take certain ones to grow and they put others in and the other ones take different. So there's a constant give and take in this ecosystem, which is fascinating to me. And above ground, they're helping each other too. So if you have a taller tree, like I have a guava tree that's growing in my front yard and underneath it, I have pigeon peas and I have nasturtium, borage, something else underneath there. And so the taller things can shade the smaller things, but then they also help with pest control as well. So if I have a, like we, we found a couple things eating, I can't remember which of my bushes they were eating, but the idea was, well, they were eating this thing over here, but they were leaving the other thing alone. The other thing was a little bit more, I think it was my lime tree or my lemon tree. And we want the lemon tree to survive. These other things that are on low to the ground, they're easy to replace. And so I'd rather them, the bugs eat the little things and, and leave my lemon tree alone. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay. So this is what permaculture does. And so you start to have this I guess the right word symbiotic is kind of they're working together to help each other and different ones are blooming at different times. And there's just a, a, um, uh, just a, a lovely relationship between all these plants. So, um, my friend who I met last year at a food forest festival last year, I was like, what is that? I've got to go to this festival. There's festivals in Florida all over the place. Every weekend there's a festival. And I met um, Sam Igo. I actually did a podcast episode with him back in um, the summer of uh, July, 2022. If anybody wants to go listen to that, it's a fascinating um, podcast interview. And um, so I've hired him to come help and teach me and actually, he does all the work, to be honest with you. I just water it and pull a few weeds. <laughs> really, that's what happens. I do grow my own vegetables. I will say that. Okay. And my containers. I'm growing my own containers and my own vegetables. My husband made my raised beds. But Sam is the one coming in and putting these permaculture ecosystems together for me. Mostly because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and so he does that for me. So right now he is putting in a 40 by 60, uh, garden and it, he's calling it a market garden. And the idea is that I'll be able to grow year round and he, he'll be putting in summer vegetables because it's coming. Well, it's already summer. As far as I'm concerned, it's always summer in Florida. <laughs> well, it's hot here. 
be honest with you. But um, so he'll be planting things like cassava and moringa, which is known as the tree of life or something. And it produces just you can cut it down to two or three feet and it'll just come back, like just grow. It's crazy. But it, the leaves are super healthy. And so the idea he'll put squashes in and I can't remember corn. And he has this whole list of things he's doing for me. And then underneath, he'll put different types of herbs and flowers. And you talk about the vision that I have is that I want to create an apothecary. So I want my own natural remedies cabinet or whatever part. I have a little section of the kitchen that I can do this with and where I can make infused oils and tinctures and salves using the herbs and flowers that are grown on my property. That is the vision that I have for the garden. And that's what my friend Sam is doing for me. And then, so you mentioned Moringa. How do you store the leaves? How, what do you do with them? So Moringa is a kind of a ferny, a little bit of a, uh, the leaves are very small, a little ferny, but not really. And um, you'll, you just take, take the leaves off, you'll dehydrate them and then powder them. Or you can leave them in the leaf and just make a tea. Um, but it's very good with lots of minerals, vitamins. It's green, like real, a nice deep green and fiber. And it's just really, really good for your body. It's healthy. I was just reading about how good it is for the liver and, and, and how the liver really is where between the gut and the liver, that's where our health is. And so if we're, if our liver is congested, we will start to show symptoms of that you know, in, in different type of diseases. So Moringa is really good for the liver. You touched briefly on freeze-dry and freeze-drying. And I know that you do a lot of that. Tell us mm -hmm. more about the process and how you use uh, freeze-dried food. Yeah, I love, love, love freeze-dried food. I could sing about it, as you can tell. <laughs> um. So freeze-dried food is a miracle. As far as I'm concerned, I almost get, makes me a little, um, I'm very thankful for freeze-dried food. And I, and I often think about our pioneer ancestors and how they would have loved to have had cans of freeze-dried foods to cross the, you know, the plains with. And freeze-dried food is a, is a, is a, a delicate form of dehydration. So dehydration, simply put, uses high temperatures and the um, process of evaporation in order to dry the food out. And so in the process of the higher temperatures, um, it's hard on that food and it, it breaks down the cell walls and it's, it, it dries the moisture out of the food with this higher temperature. And so you lose, often you lose color, you'll lose the form. Um, you lose a lot of nutrition out of it as well because of the higher temperatures. And I know that there are people who are masters at dehydration. I have not mastered dehydration, honestly. Um, you need a lot of water to rehydrate dehydrated food as well. Whereas freeze-dried food um, uses lower temperatures, freezing, hello, really low temperatures, and then it uses a vacuum to go along with it. And you can put the food in a chamber and you, it, it gets to about 40 below zero. It freezes it for that long, for about 
Depends on the food, but it'll freeze for about nine hours at a, a very, very, very low temperature. And then there is a little bit of heat that is added to the free fr frozen food. And as that food starts to just start to thaw, where the water molecule that was ice, you know, frozen, it'll just start to turn to water and then almost to this vapor. And once it hits that vapor, the pump that's going on, the vacuum pulls it, sucks that vapor right out of the food, and then it refreezes on the inside of the chamber of the freeze dryer. And this process will go on depending on the food. If the food is sugary and wet, like pineapple, it'll take longer. If it's dry, like cheese or meat, it'll be a shorter thing. So anywhere from about 20, uh, depends, 20 hours to 30 hours, somewhere in there, it takes this process. The heat goes on and off, very gentle, pulling the, you know, the pump and the vacuum pulling the water away from the food. And when you're, when it's all done and dry, it's crumbly and it holds its shape. It has its color. It, the cell walls are in place. You retain 97% of the nutrition, nutrients that are in the food, depending on the food that you put in. If you put rotten food in, you'll get rotten freeze-dried food out, right? So it's the same thing like I was saying about the plants earlier, canning. If you put good stuff in, good stuff will come out. That's a principle of life, really, if we think about it. <laughs> we'll get all philosophical for a second over freeze-dried food. <laughs> good in, good out. And then um, it takes very, very little water to rehydrate it. And so this can be um, preserved. Once you take it out of the, of the freeze dryer, you want to preserve it. And I, I often use um, glass jars and I put an oxygen absorber in that and, and seal it down tight. And that oxygen absorber, it doesn't actually absorb oxygen. It actually releases nitrogen and fills up the jar which preserve because oxygen has water in it, fills up the jar with nitrogen and preserves that freeze-dried food. You can also use mylar bags and um, peat jars, you know, any kind of food-grade jar, you can, you can um, store it in that as well. So that's, and I love, I love cooking with it because it, uh, there's, you don't need a lot of water and you can eat it. If it's cooked food, you can eat it right out of the jar. Pineapple is amazing. Strawberries. I mean, you can eat meat if you want. I don't recommend that. But then to cook with it, if you want to make spaghetti, I can make my spaghetti sauce from before my water even boils to make the spaghetti with freeze-dried meat. It's, it's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I've eaten some freeze-dried fruit and... Um, it's good. You just don't want to stop. You know, it's, it's so good. Yes, it's so I know. good. I I had a container of grapes and I said this is really really this is dangerous because yes. I could eat th right through the container and I thought like, and I look on the outside and say how many servings is it <laughs> well oh well well I did so that. I, if people want to learn more about freeze drying and the methods and also the equipment mm -hmm. that you need mm -hmm. uh, they can contact you as well absolutely yeah and I have a a free download too for um I can't remember what it's called like 10 different fun ways to use freeze dried food or something along those lines and it's a huge download like 
uh, somebody said, that's really big. You want to give that much away? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So because there's so much you can do with freeze dried food. Um, and I do rep for a company um, called Thrive Life. And so if you're interested in that, you can go to my website, joyfullyprepared.com and you can find out information there. And I'm happy to answer any questions regarding freeze dried food. You need to have it just, just to use it. I use it every day. I, it's not even just for storage. It's for every day. Yeah, I. Uh, thanks to knowing you, I've also purchased some uh, from Thrive Life, and it's great because you know sometimes you don't have enough celery at home, or you don't right. have something else, and you need it for a recipe, but you don't have time to drive. Mm-hmm. And there it is, and the shelf life is crazy long. Oh yeah, yeah, thirty so, plus years. Yeah, so you don't have to worry about it. Um, but as I said, the grapes. I don't know how many I need to buy of those <laughs> because those were like those candy. are way the, it, they were they they're were like candy yeah they're it was actually healthy candy it was crazy yeah, I loved it I absolutely and, loved it yeah and and let me just be clear there's two different ways like I rep for a company um, Thrive Life so they do all the freeze drying and canning for you so you'll get like cans of food. And then you can also buy your own freeze dryer and mine's through Harvest Right. And I think my affiliate link is on my website as well. And that's where I do my own stuff. So there's two different ways. And I buy, I do both. I buy from Thrive every month and then I do my own. Um, we have chickens and we're <laughs> so many eggs. And uh, so I've been freeze drying raw chicken eggs. You know, I, I scramble them, I crack them and scramble them, and then I freeze dry them and turn them into powder. And so, like the other day, um, I was telling I was telling you that we we put up we had a little church auction, and so we auctioned off nine dozen eggs. And my husband had packaged them all, and I was making something else for this auction. I needed one more egg. <laughs> he had already packaged them. So I'm like, what am I gonna do? I need one more egg. And then I remembered I had these powdered eggs that I had done. And so I just scooped out a couple tablespoons and there I did. I had my eggs. <laughs> That's so amazing. Um, so you mentioned briefly your website and mm-hmm. you have f- amazing freebies on your website oh, as well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I encourage everyone to check that out. Uh, all of your information will be in the show notes, uh, but tell us about some of the freebies. I, I know I downloaded one just before we got on the call, but you mentioned 10 creative uses for freeze-dried food. Mm-hmm. And then you also have a 52-week home storage list as well. Yeah. So I teach, like my grandparents, remember, they put up all these jars of food and I have a, I teach food storage, how to set up a food storage system so that you have food on the shelf for any, any, not just emergencies, how many times do you, I mean, it's, and it's expensive to go out to eat and, you know, food shortages are there. And this is the other thing I'm learning about. Um, The food that we're eating in restaurants, it's probably not the quality we want to eat, whether it's the the chicken or the beef or the veg, what, what, where did they get these things? So you're gardening, you're learning how to do all this stuff. And then you can find your own local sources for beef and chicken 
find people who are doing regenerative farming, organic, and you can bring that kind of food into your home and you can freeze it. You can learn how to can it. If you get a freeze dryer, you can freeze dry it. And so you have better food on the shelf than what you really, I mean, it's, it's more fun to eat outside the house because you're not making it. But the idea is that if you have food on the shelf, you get to pick and choose what's on your shelf, not what somebody serves you. And so I teach a whole process on how to set up your own food storage system. And the 52-week home storage list is just to get you started. It starts with week one. It's not January 1st. It's week one, wherever you're starting. And it just gives you ideas like a couple rolls of toilet paper or two pounds of pasta, something along those lines to put on your shelf until you start to figure this out. But that's that's what I'm teaching is how to start a food storage to make it work for your family with and and do it gradually. Like I said, like my grandparents, they just did it gradually over a few years. And that saved saved them a lot of a lot of things. Yeah, it's so important, especially now with food prices the way they are. Um, it's really, really important to be able to purchase stuff when you can get it mm-hmm. at a reasonable cost. Uh, I'm lucky I live in a rural area. I do have a farm down the road that I nice. go to. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing better than buying local produce and Agreed local meat because Mm -hmm. you know where it's coming from and as one farmer said to me years ago um if they make a you know people talk about all sorts of things like pesticides this that and the other thing uh what this farmer said to me was if we sell something to someone and it's harmful that news will spread like wildfire. We'll lose our business. That's we cannot true. afford. We have to pay really strict attention to mm-hmm. the food that we grow, how we grow it, and mm-hmm. what we use on it. True. And that made all the difference. So I normally buy a lot of organics. The f- meat that I purchase, I mm-hmm. buy local mm-hmm. because I truly believe in helping my neighbors who yes. are farmers. And even in Whole Foods, they have uh, local farmers who supply them with meat. Right. So you're helping the people around you. You're helping your neighbors. And you're also getting better quality because if you're buying fruit or vegetables and you've gotten a good deal, but they end up going bad in a day, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you haven't saved any money. Right. Right. So and then, of course, you talk about the the drawer, um, <laughs> the, swamp when, drawer. the swamp drawer. <laughs> <laughs> Where all good produce goes to die. Right. <laughs> I love that. And it's so true. It's so it true. Is. Yeah. Um, we have such good intentions. Right. We yeah. buy all this produce. We buy those herbs and they get put in the drawer and then life happens. And you you don't eat what you thought you were going to eat or you're too tired or whatever. And the, the produce just slowly starts to rot and turn soupy. Every We all have had that happen to us. And those <laughs> that $4 little pack of herbs that was only going to last you one or two days anyway, that's just out the door. You've just spent all that money. If you're growing your own stuff, if you're growing your herb, you can take the three leaves of basil off the plant 
and the plant keeps growing. I so have to do that. And you do have a, a class for that as well, a container gardening course. Yes, I have a course. Again, you can find that on my website at joyfullyprepared.com under, I think under the tab shop or courses or something. I'm not exactly sure, but yeah, it's right there. And if you need any help with anything, always reach out to me. I'm, I'm always wanting to help. Oh, that's so good to know. And I absolutely love your podcast. Thank you. Uh, so. Your podcast is very special because you share your experience, your life, and mm -hmm. your wisdom. Thank you. I, I mix a little bit of this and that in there because it's called Joyfully Prepared. Um, I named myself the Joyful Prepper after um, a friend of mine. This has been probably 20 plus years ago. I was talking about, you know, this and that. You need to prepare. And she says, why are you always so doomsday about everything? And I was like, oh, it's like sucked the wind right out of my lungs because I thought I was helping her, you know, and I was being a support. And I realized we are motivated by fear, but I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be a fear monger, if you will. I want to be somebody where you're excited about this little basil plant and you can tell me about it. I'm going to cheer for you. And so I share experiences that I've had in my life, my failures, um, my just inconsistencies. I killed a Moringa tree twice and it came back the third time and I kept it alive. That's a fun <laughs> podcast. Um, anyway, so and then I have some guests on who do, you know, different things like um, Sam Igo talking about gardening. I have one with another fellow. Um, talking about the cattle industry, which you did not enjoy that one because it's kind of <laughs> disgusting, actually. To, well, to know what the what the beef industry is all about, it's it's eye opening, right? Yeah, uh, I do. I do cook meat for my husband, but mm -hmm. I haven't eaten it in a lot of years. Right. So right, and that's that okay. Was, that was not one of my favorite podcasts, but I will tell you that I've got vanilla. I've got vanilla extract <laughs> enough. <laughs> I have enough vanilla extract now to last me quite a long there time you go. and share with my friends. There you go. Yeah, we did a vanilla extract, um, uh, how to make your own vanilla with an expert that was on one of my podcasts. And sometimes I just do solo podcasts. Sometimes I'm explaining like how to do a food storage or something. I did one on powdered milk. Like nobody really, there's probably not one powdered milk podcast episode out in the world, but mine. But you know what? It's a vital part of having a food storage and knowing how to use it. I have to, I'll just add this. Mm -hmm. um, when I was very young, uh, my father thought, my father always made oatmeal. Every morning mm -hmm. he made oatmeal. And on the bottom of the bowl, he put powdered milk. Mm -hmm. And wheat germ. Interesting. And the powdered milk, of course, is sweet. Right. So most people would mix it all up. But mm -hmm. I got all excited eating my way down oh. to oh. the powdered milk. So that brought back a really great memory. Oh, that's a lovely memory. How fun. Never heard of anything like that. That's really cool. That's yeah, fun. I thought <laughs> it, it really was fun. So yeah. I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Again, your main pod, uh, your main um, website is joyfullyprepared.com. And then everyone listening should also make sure they catch your podcast. 
which is also joyfully Joy, prepared. Yep. Joyfully prepared. Yes. Yeah. And I have a free Facebook group called Joyfully Prepared. It's a very, <laughs> it's very simple. It's just nothing exciting. Not around here. We just keep it simple. So I'd love to have you join my free pay, Facebook group as well, where we discuss, we have like-minded people, lovely people, and we discuss all sorts of different things regarding self-reliance and preparedness. Thank you again so very much. I've loved this episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Please follow us, submit a rating and review, and share us with your friends. This helps our message reach more listeners. For more information about my products, visit justwantedtoask.com. Thank you. Thank you.